All right, welcome to episode number two of uh, Two Lawyers Talk About College Sports. Aaron, how are you feeling today? You know, I'm feeling really good today, Spencer. It's it's Friday. Um, it's sunny out in the northwest. It's, a, it's just a nice fall day. Uh, you can really feel it in the air. There's excitement in the air, and we have big things to talk about today, so I'm pumped. Absolutely. You're not joining me with uh, No Shave November, but it's okay. Well, well maybe uh, next year we'll do it. Yeah, let me correct you there. I've been joining you for two weeks. I just I grow really, really slow. Um, so I'm joined you, and uh, but uh, I'll join you probably about January 13th. All right. That sounds all right. All right. Well, uh, welcome all college sports fans. Uh, here we're going to be talking about a couple of really big issues that just happened this week. Uh, the first issue is something that just broke today. So, Aaron, as we talked about, uh, Ohio State defensive end, Ohio State Buckeye defensive end Chase Young. This guy is legit. He is one of the best players in the country, Top, potentially top pick overall in the NFL draft next year. He's being held out initially for an undisclosed violation of the NCAA rules for their game against the Maryland Terrapins this, this Saturday. It was later found out, he tweeted out, that it turns out he had mistakenly, about a year ago, received, accepted a loan from a family friend. And he specifically said that he knew this family friend, began or got to know this family friend prior to the, his, the start of his freshman year at OSU. So Ohio State takes him out, says you're not, you're not eligible to play. And in his tweet, he says, look, I'm working with the university and the NCAA. I want to get back on the field as soon as possible. Okay, so that's what we know, right? We don't know any more than that. So, Aaron, the question is, is it okay for him to have received this loan from a family friend if he had a relationship with him, with his family friend, before he started college? So the answer is going to be it depends. And that's going to be a common question, a common theme in a lot of these compliance questions that we go over. Um, and I'll explain why. You know, there's a lot of tests and everything's fact-based and oftentimes case-by-case. So in this situation, we know basically what we can glean from his social media posts, a few media entities that, that gather information out there. And, and I want to put out a qualifier out there is, you know, when I worked in compliance, sometimes media wouldn't get it exactly right. You know, they would get it 80 or 90 percent there. They do a great job, but maybe they missed a wrinkle or, uh, you know, whoops, it wasn't a family friend. It's, it's, it's his uh, it's his. Uh, half brother, you know, or, or things like that. You, you never know. And so, but going with what we have here, here's the issue. I mean, the basic rule comes out of bylaw 16 in the NCAA manual and basically kind of reads as a student athlete can get a loan from an established family friend. And it's not going to be considered an extra benefit. If it's an extra benefit, that means that it deems the student athlete ineligible. It's impermissible. But it's not going to be, this loan's not going to be an extra benefit if it's three-part test. Uh, first, they look, is, is the loan offered because of his football athletic ability or fame? If it is, problem. And if we get past that, is this person a booster or does it, do they work for Ohio State? Remember, a booster is a very broad term. A booster can be an alumni of, of Ohio State, somebody that's donated, is, is, you know, is a member of the football athletic fund or, or is a season ticket holder, donor, and you're a booster for life once you're a booster. So if you donate one time, 10 bucks. You're a booster for life. You're a booster for life, doesn't matter. Life, baby. Okay. 
ever. <laughs> and and so yeah, your alumni. And so if you're a booster, you're not loaning student athletes money. If you are a problem, doesn't matter. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, a problem. And even if you have a relationship with the student athlete prior to yeah. them starting school, right? You know, and 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 we'll get to that rule too. But uh, and then also the relationship between the person loaning. So it's not a booster. It's not a staff member. You got an established relationship. And this relationship started before that school started recruiting it. That at least gets us to, okay, okay, so this seems like it could be permissible. That's all going on here. Then we got to dig into the NCAA uh, has a test that you kind of go down and you look at. It's a complicated test. It's like a four-part test that they want to look at to see if somebody meets certain criteria. Really what the NCAA is looking at is they're getting the, this loan uh, is given not because of athletic ability or fame. It's not for their sport or some reason like that. Really the person, the relationship started in eighth grade or earlier. That's really going to be the thing. Because if you think about it, especially D1 football players, they're being recruited uh, early. So and, and, and they're going to camps there. The, yeah. I mean, you know, the, a lot of that stuff happens. And so really the NCAA is looking at, did you start in middle school, elementary school? If you're starting a relationship, sophomore, junior year of high school, um, and they're already a star in football, it looks more suspect to the NCAA. Who is this person? Because this family friend oftentimes is a trainer, could be a coach, a side coach, a side hustle, side agent, street agent, marketing guy, runner, um, maybe it is a true family friend, Billy, the family friend. We don't, we don't really know. Um, but is it odd? I don't know. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't why some family friend is loaning this star football player money. Uh, but you go down this analysis and the, really how it should work is it should be vetted out by the compliance office. Anybody. So you need to get in front of your student athletes and your parents, and your boosters, and let them know these rules. And if there are, and hey, parents, if you have family friends that want to loan your kid, your star kid money, here's the analysis that the compliance office is going to go through with that person to make sure they have a pre-existing relationship that meets the requirements to be able to allow that loan to take place. And one thing that's interesting, right, is that that, that has to be relationship, not only just that they know each other, but that's the kind of thing that had happened in the past, right? Yeah, that's part of the test. There's this, this test, you know, for example, they're going to look at, you know, uh, and, I, and I wish I had the, the test in front of me here. I had it on my, my phone and we're using it to record for the, for the fans here. But, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a dual part test. But the test includes that, that question. I mean, it's, it's, it's fact-based, right? You look at the facts and the circumstances and say, let's say somebody's going to let you go, take you on a ski trip, right? And, yeah, you know, hey, I've known this kid since eighth grade. Checks that box. It's before they were a recruit. The NCAA defines a prospective student athlete, or a PSA is the buzz term. Prospective student athlete is anyone in the ninth grade or older. You're, you're a recruit. Boom, recruit. So if you're started in the eighth grade, okay, great. Checks that box. You, you established that relationship before they were a recruit. That's good. You're not a booster. You're not a staff member. Good stuff. You're not an agent. Okay, this is looking pretty good. Pre-existing relationship. Is the gift that you're giving him similar in nature and extent? That's one thing they want to know, too. I mean, if you've always had him over for dinner since fourth grade, and they come back and forth, a little movie tickets. Taking them on ski trips. Yeah, things like that. If that's just kind of how it's always went, and this is kind of more of the same, and established the relationship in fourth grade, you're not a booster, close family friend, you want to take the kid on another skiing trip, and he's a sophomore to Ohio State, 
that's probably gonna be fine. You're, you're still gonna want the compliance office to go carefully through the analysis with uh, the student athlete and the family, make sure everyone's on the same page, document it, put everything in writing, everybody's on the same page, educate this family friend so the loan can take place. You wanna do it on the front end, document it, everything's done with intent and purpose and knowledge, so there's no confusion. And then if you get dinged or somebody questions you by the NCAA, you're gonna have a lot of documentation you can show and defend yourself a little bit. Here's the problem, let's say uh, that beforehand, um, you know, the things they used to give her movie tickets and little dinners. Suddenly he's a star freshman or sophomore at Ohio State, and now he wants to give him a trip to Sweden. And it's like, well, it's, NC's going to look at that a lot more suspect. I mean, like, wait a minute here. Why are you suddenly giving a trip to Sweden to this guy? Now is it because you think he's going to take care of you when he gets to the league? What are we doing here? You know, this isn't in the same extent in nature. Is this truly a, a, a good loan that can happen? Is this, and you got to be really careful with that. That's why it's fact-based. It's, it's dicey. Because you're dealing with eligibility of student athletes. If student athletes are playing and they're not eligible, it's a potential that you had to have to forfeit those games. Right. We're going to get into penalties a little bit later, but I guess you know, in, in, for from for Chase Young here, he indicated that he recognized the error, he repaid it, uh, he's you know paid it in full back to the guy who gave him the loan. So I mean, what kind of action should he have? Is that the appropriate type of actions that he should take? I mean, it, it helps, right? I mean, it, you know, in some ways, it's like somebody committing. Now, this is not like a crime. I'm not saying that. But it, it, it's in the eyes of the NCAA, sometimes it's like you committed a crime, you stole someone's bike, you went and returned the bike. Yeah, that's good. That's what you should do. Did it actually wash everything away? No, not necessarily, because the bad acts still happen. Right. Um, you know, but yeah, at least you paid back the money. That's going to be something that can go to mitigation when they go to reinstate this person as eligible to the NCAA. They can say, hey, look, money's been paid back. Does it still have the money? Um, you know, they can, there's a whole host of uh, penalties that could come up depending on uh, what the NCAA, what both the NCAA fines, the conference, Big Ten fines, and Ohio State's compliance office, which, by the way, is a fantastic compliance office and very thorough. One of the biggest in the nation. Yeah, yeah, and 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 one of the best, and very good, and they're going to vet this out and get to the bottom of it, and they'll determine what penalty is appropriate. So the school could kind of self-impose a penalty, not only on the student athlete but also on the school. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, and, and they can they can do that and recommend one, and and when they and the NCAA can accept it, they can add, they can subtract. You know, um, what type of penalties could Ohio State and the player be looking? Well, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you know, not talking specifically to Ohio State, but just in general, if a student athlete um, takes an extra benefit, um, it's it's a wide range of penalties. But I mean, it, it makes them ineligible, right? So they're not eligible to compete. Now, if they've been competing ineligible, and we find out, it kind of gets to the heart of like, remember Reggie Bush? Reggie Bush's family and Reggie Bush, to this extent, were accused of taking extra benefits um, for a long period of time while he was playing. Well, they went back, they found that, they had to basically deem him ineligible, lost his eligibility. They also had to go back and forfeit all those games, national championships, the Heisman, different things like that. It can get really, really damning for a school, especially a school like Ohio State, who's in you know New Year's Day bowls, they're, they're in the playoff hunt. And you have a person like this that ends up derailing something like this. It could be a really significant thing. Right. It's a distraction to the program, the whole thing. So, or, or maybe it's minor. Maybe it's one of those things we find out. It's, it's not a, bit, a big of a deal. It became a media story because of who he is. We find out, oh, it was a loan of $20, and it was misunderstanding, and, and uh, he was thinking he was buying a tank of gas, and you know, 
And that could just be a slap on the wrist if he misses a game or two and then he's back. Well, potentially. potentially. Slap on the wrists are, are, are usually not given, honestly, when it comes to extra benefits. This is the, one of the most serious uh, areas in the NCAA rule. But, but it could be – so they're going to have to deal with it. I mean, it, it hurts to have the kids just even sit out and have to have this media scrutiny. But what I'm more concerned about, and we'll learn more as this case develops, is if you notice, I think in the story it mentions that he took the benefit last year. Right. He's been playing for a year and almost three quarters. Ineligible. Right. And so what is the NCAA going to do with that? I don't, I don't know. But, but yeah, I've seen everywhere from, from stripping wins to deeming someone ineligible for a game or two games or three games. Sometimes the NCAA will add things for student athletes to do. Like, hey, we'll reinstate you after sitting out two games, but you also have to do some rules ed. So I want you to go meet with five different teams uh, with compliance there as well to supervise. And you give some rules ed on extra benefits. Maybe it embarrasses the kid a little bit. I don't think that's the intent, but it really grills into them. These rules are serious and you need to be really, really careful. I don't believe that the student athlete did this on purpose or to be malicious. Probably the friend didn't either. We don't know all the facts, but but these rules are, uh, you can see why nuanced small rules can turn into major issues for programs. Yeah, big time. Well, I, I felt like that was a pretty good discussion. Get a little applause. <laughs> a little crowd noise there. That's like 16 people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. That's kind of long. Uh, we're, still, we're still trying to tweak this thing a little bit. Um, Got to so add a little flavor. Are you thinking flavor. a little little soul, a little, a little flavor soul, to this? A little thing? flavor. That's okay. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so now stay, staying in the Big Ten, we're going to be spending yeah. a lot of time in the Big yeah. Ten today. Yeah. So let's let's do a little. How rule. many schools are in the Big Ten? Well, there's uh, what is there? Fourteen now. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, how, what is, how does that make sense? Uh, Explain that to me, Spencer. It, it makes perfect sense. Because did the back did the Pac-12 stay Pac-10 when they went 12? No. No. So, no, no, no. I don't know. I'm just, it's anyway. Big 10, Big 10, 14. Yeah. It's all good. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, staying in the Big 10, we got last week, about a week, and actually about a week and a half ago, Yeah. one of Michigan State starting linebackers, a, a, a player by the name of Joe Batchy, uh, was ruled ineligible, immediately ineligible, because he was found to have tested positive for a supplemental PEB. Yeah. And it's a random drug test. Uh, that was well, done let me ask you this once before. What does PED mean okay. for the listeners that don't know? I know, I know, and you know, of course, right? Right, of course. I don't actually know. I, yeah, well, PED is a performance-enhancing drug. Oh, fancy. Uh, I've never taken them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you probably have a couple of times. On them right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, when you're a student athlete, you can't take them. Yeah, okay? right. And we're going to talk about that in our rules ed uh, time uh, that we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. But basically, this, uh, this player, he's a first-team All-Big Ten player. Heck of a player. Seems like he's a good kid. He feels awful about this, but he got tested positive for a banned substance. Now, interestingly, Michigan State has decided not to appeal this because he's a senior. And so even if it was if it was overturned, uh, they, he wouldn't he'd be deemed ineligible for the year. No yeah, what. right. So um, so the question for you, Aaron, uh, is. OK, so. There's, there's drugs that these kids take, right? Aspirin, Tylenol, all those types of things. But there's other performance-enhancing drugs that can't be taken. So, what what should a school be looking out for yeah. when you're when you're when you're when you're educating these kids about drugs that are okay, drugs that are not okay? Yeah. So this is a confusing area for people. People assume when they think performance-enhancing drugs, they're thinking a needle, steroids, they're cheating, they're getting bigger. There's a, a tiny fraction of that. 
uh, maybe one or two student athletes out there. They're maybe doing something like that. What ends up happening, honestly, is the NCAA has a massive list of banned substances. Now, I could read a couple of them to you. And if I did, you know, I'd like you to spell some of these names. You know, you got diuretics, you got uh, cannabinoids, you got peptides, hormones, growth factors, and it goes on and on and on and on of banned substances. And student athletes are subjected to random drug tests, both by the university and by the NCAA. And so you're going to be drug tested if you're a student athlete. You can just bank on that. It's going to happen. It's going to be random. And if you test positive, you can appeal it if you think it's wrong. Uh, but good luck if, if there's something uh, in your blood and you, and you say, I didn't know, or I didn't mean to, or I wasn't aware that substance is what I took. The NCAA is not going to have a lot of sympathy for that. Here is what comes up. And this is really the problem. This is the crux of it. Somebody goes to GNC, let's say, right? And they take over-the-counter um, you know, uh, kale chips, right? They're kale chips uh, that are bottled in a vitamin. It's pure 100% kale. FDA does not regulate a lot of that stuff sold at GNC and, and places like that. You go to the GNC counter, so I want to buy these kale chips. Are these illegal? Uh, but they say, no, my buddy plays for Fresno State, and he takes them all the time. It's totally fine. It'll boost your energy. You're going to love it, man. You're going to get over illnesses quicker. Nothing illegal. It even says on the side, NCAA compliant. You buy it, you take it. Oh, the, NCAA, the FDA doesn't regulate that. And oops, they had a couple of random substances in there that, that are legal. You didn't know you were taking something illegal. Didn't mean to, didn't intend to, you weren't cheating. Didn't really feel anything different. You got the drug test and you have these two substances in there and you're ineligible for the year. The penalty, mind you, is very strict and automatic. Student athletes use one year of full eligibility for the first offense which is 25% of their whole eligibility, by the way, right. one of four years, and are withheld from competition for 365 days from the date of the test. And a second positive test, they lose all remaining eligibility. They're simply done. So it's that significant. We, it's happened. I've, I've, I've experienced it. A student athlete does something like that, takes something over the counter, innocent, thinking it's compliant, maybe the bottle even says NSA compliant, don't trust that. What you need to tell your student athletes is go to the trainers, make sure your trainers are educated, take all substances you're going to take, multivitamins, over-the-counter products, anything that's not food and water, basically. Take your trainer to get cleared for NSA rules, make sure it's okay to take. If it's okay to take and cleared, great, ingest it. Because it's not it's not uh, regulated by the FDA. You also have to take it with a grain of salt. Even if the trainer says it's okay. Remember, it's not regulated. So the trainer might look at the ingredients, scan it, run up against what's approved. So yeah, this is fine. What's listed on here is fine. But there's still a small risk for you to take it because it could be mislabeled. Or there's new ingredients in there that haven't been regulated. Significant problem. And that's not going to save you. Maybe that's mitigation if you go and try to get yourself re, uh, a waiver or, or an appeal from your positive drug test. But you got to be really careful about that. So it's something to think about. That's kind of how that really works, honestly. So we're talking about substances that that are that aren't necessarily illegal. Almost all of them are not illegal. Right. In actually. fact, a lot of them are legal. Yes. And legal substances that yep. just can't be used. Yep. And these substances can be in any kinds of food or pills or over-the-counter stimulants or whatever. Yeah. And they just have to be super careful. One of them, let me see if you've ever heard of caffeine. Well, yeah, there's caffeine. Yeah, all yeah. I think people so uh, are, are often right here. Ban some examples of NSA banned substances: 
stimulants, caffeine. People are, are very confused, like, well, caffeine, what? I drink coffee, I drink soda. You know, well, you know, one thing we wouldn't do sometimes when we were at some of the schools is we just didn't want to have a Keurig machine around. We didn't want to encourage people drinking a lot of caffeine. You're not going to test positive for having a cup of coffee. You're not going to test positive for having a soda at lunch. But they're like caffeine pills. Caffeine pills, right. But those are fully legal. Right. It's common. But, yeah, the NC is very strict on this. So we, we used to educate at USC, at least, when I used to do it, and other schools. And I know this is common. Bottom line is if you're putting anything but food or water in your body, go to the trainer. Check with them on what you want to take before you take it. Don't do it after the fact. If they green light it, there's a risk assessment. There's high, middle, and low. Yeah, you can take this, but it's high risk. You can take it's middle risk, or hey, you can take it's low risk. You've noticed there's never no risk. So if you're if you're not a thousand percent sure, you don't want to put your career at jeopardy. You better just stick with basically, you know, you have your chewable Fre- Freddie Flintstone vitamins and food and water, and, and you go beyond that, and you're probably risking it a little bit. So they th- this this player, this Joe Batchy kid, was. It was a random drug test. Mm-hmm. So, how do, I mean, how does that happen? How how often are these student athletes randomly drug tested? Uh, is it is it completely random, or how do they how did they get chosen? Well, we're told it's random, you know, and and so um, is it truly random? I don't know, you know, but I know this. I know if we have a football team that's going to a bowl game, they're going to be tested. Every player is going to be tested. Well, not, not necessarily every player. Okay. It can be some members of the team. It can be all the pitchers of a baseball team. It can be everybody. It can be four people. Usually it's people on scholarship. Who makes the decision of who to test? Is that something that the NCAA does, or is that something the school does? <laughs> No, not the school. School can also random drug test too, but it comes from an outside entity and the NCAA, and, and they do random drug testing. And basically they'll come. I mean, it can be as simple as like, hey, we get notified in compliance tomorrow at the 6 a.m. practice. There's going to be a drug test. Make sure these people are there. If they don't show up, it's a positive. It's as simple as that. They say, I didn't know. I didn't remember. I slept through it. I forgot. Positive. Now you're in a situation where you're trying to appeal it, um, and we'll see what happens. They don't, they don't mess around. This is one area the NCAA does not mess around. I mean, drug testing, you're in trouble. Here's another thing that really gets people think, well, weed's not a big deal. Weed's legal in a lot of states now. Weed. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm going to smoke a little weed. I'm in college. I'm having fun, man. Well, here's the thing. Weed's illegal. The NCAA cannabinoids, right? And so you're about to play a huge bowl game. You're seven days from the Cotton Bowl. And boom, tomorrow we're at practice. We're having, uh, you know, the NCAA is going to test for drugs. And they're testing this time for marijuana. And guess what? You just smoked two days ago or a day ago. It's still in your system. You tested positive, you're sitting out, you're not playing in the bowl game. How, how disappointing is that? You're letting your team down, you're letting yourself down. It's just being reckless, honestly. And, and, and it stinks that a lot of this stuff is banned by the NCAA, but it is. And so if you're going to be a student athlete, you got to be aware of what's banned and not put it in your body. So, so best case scenario for these student athletes, check with the trainers. Yeah. Make sure you're not eating or consuming anything that, that's even potentially close. Yeah, because there's always going to be a risk, right? But at least run, mitigate your risk. Step one: if you go, don't take things from GNC. That's my rec. But if you, if you needed to, you really want to, then go take it to your trainer, who hopefully knows the NCAA rules, and clear all the substances, and then know that you're taking a risk when you ingest it. You just are. I would assume this would be especially important if you're coming off an injury, mm-hmm. uh, going through some rehab. You're getting. Yeah. 
pain pills, those types of things. You got to be really careful with that. Right? Yeah. If it's coming from your own staff, your own trainers, the, the hope is they're educated. They know that they, they've vetted it and it's okay. You're going out on your own and, and buying stuff from the store or the mall or getting it from your uncle. That sort of thing is where it gets really dicey and you got to be careful. Yeah. All right. All right. Good job. I feel like that one went really well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, don't take drugs. Don't take drugs. <laughs> um, okay. So as kind of our last, normally our last uh, set, how are we doing on time? Are you doing all right? Yeah, about, we're into it 25 minutes. Perfect. So as our last sec- segment, usually we're going to take some kind of uh, questions from the audience. As this being our second episode, we still don't have any questions from the audience. Feel free to email us, college sports attorneys at gmail.com. Uh, ask us any questions we're, we're happy to answer mm-hmm. but because we don't have that today instead what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about this about Juwan Howard yeah Juwan Howard was a heck of a player played at Michigan was a part of the Fab Five went on and played at, you know in the NBA for more than a decade heck of a player he's now the head coach of Michigan how long has he been the head coach of Michigan just barely he yeah. just started this year is his first year has he ever coached in college before I don't believe so. He right. was an assistant coach in the NCA and for the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so he's new to the NCAA rules. Brand new, brand new. So he's at a conference or he's at a press conference, and he gets asked, you know, how are things going? How are things going with the early signing period? How's things going with recruiting? And he says, "Oh, it's been good. We're still plugging away." This is a quote from him. Uh, there are some guys out there we've offered, and we're in the running for. It. And then he names three specific players. <laughs> what do you think, Aaron? So, so he names three specific players by name, and then he says, "I don't know if I should be mentioning that." And then someone, probably in their compliance from behind their compliance office behind him, says, "No, you shouldn't be saying this." Yeah. So the question to you, Aaron, is what what rule did he violate here? Well, you know, and it and it depends, right? I'm always gonna, but here's the thing: when it comes to publicity, and that's what this is involving. It's in Bylaw 13 recruiting, publicity of recruits, right? When the NCA says commitment, it talks about comments before commitment and comments after commitment. When they say commitment, they mean sign. Everybody that's sort of a fan of college athletics but hasn't worked behind the scenes sometimes thinks a verbal commitment is is like committed. It really doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know, hey, I'm going to put on my Twitter that I've committed to BYU, right? Uh, Great, but you have to sign to be actually committed is what the NCAA considers committed. So that's the first thing. So here, here's the rule. I mean, basically it's, you know, when they say, basically Michigan can comment publicly only to the extent of confirming its recruitment of the prospect. So they can confirm recruitment of the prospect. The institution may not comment generally about the prospect's ability or contribute contribution that the recruit might make to the institution's team. And the institution is precluded from commenting in any manner as to the likelihood of the recruit committing or signing with that institution. It's interesting how they do here in their word in committing or to or signing, but it's it's essentially the same. But but basically that, you know, so I don't know what Joan was doing there. I mean, you know, it's but it, you know, bottom line is this. You don't want to talk about recruits. Unless you don't definitely don't want to name them. You don't want to talk about are they going to sign there? We hope to get this person. We're, we're in the hunt for this guy. We're trying to do this. Leave it alone and until they've signed. 
And, and, and if you think about the general purpose of that rule, from my understanding, is you don't, you don't want 12 schools saying, we're going to sign John. We think Johnny's coming to us. They start K- PR campaigns. Everybody's battling who's going to sign who. No, we're not getting into that business. That puts an incredible amount of pressure on the student athlete. Yeah, let the student athlete sign. Now, here, here's the really, and that's kind of a small nuanced rule. It's, it, Juwan's new. He didn't mean to do it, I'm sure. And he's just a new coach. But this is that brings up the bigger issue. If you hire a new coach that's never coached in college athletics, and I've been there before, that it's, it's a red flag immediately. What you need to do is uh, my recommendation would be to develop a rules ed plan, a mini rules ed plan for that coach before they get to do anything. This always happens where coaches get hired by schools and they want them like immediately recruiting, immediately working course. And they're on, they're hitting the ground running. That's good. But the problem is then they have little hiccups like this. Boom, 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 boom. You know, whoops, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So what you really need to do is before you go out and just start hitting the world, let's sign a contract. Let's get you with compliance for an hour and let's cover 15 main topics one-on-one slowly. I'll give you a little outline that you can take with you. You can read it when you get home. It's going to hit on the main things you can and can't do to, to protect you from little hiccups like this. You know, don't talk about recruits, you know, and, and so he's, he's a, he's a member institution. Don't and, contact and, recruits during, during the dead period. Whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. The the rules. I mean, the, the manual is four hundred and some odd pages, or whatever it is now. And there's thousands and thousands of interns. It takes. Uh, there's a lot of compliance offices that have five, ten, fifteen people. Most of them are lawyers, and they're having a hard time staying on top of all the nuances. You can imagine a coach who's trying to ninety percent coach, trying to stay on top of all of it, and and especially when they're new, it's going to take years for Juwan Howard to know these rules like the back of years. And so to just put him out there into this kind of situation, uh, I'm sure, you know. All right. We, uh, so, you know, with these, these kind of coaches, you always want to think in the back of your mind, rules ed, rules ed, rules ed. This coach has never coached in college athletics. It's, it's rules ed time. So that's really the takeaway, I think, from this one. And be careful what you say about recruits until they've signed for school. What kind of penalty could Michigan be looking at? Completely varies. It completely varies. It depends on the, uh, you know, because penalty structures are, a lot of times go into how many violations, how did it happen, intent. Um, you know, so, so I, you know, it's hard to say before, unless I knew a little bit more facts. I mean, was he, who was he saying this to? What was the, what was the manner? Was it heard in the hallway? Was he saying it to in a, in a, in a, well, he was in, saying it in a press conference. A press conference to the media. To the media yeah. in front of a bunch of media. You know, he recognized that he erred right away. He said, ah, shucks, I shouldn't have said that. I'm still trying to learn these NCAA rules. Yeah, and that's a really kind of a main one. I mean, but gosh, I've seen before where, I mean, like you could have a texting violation that it can can include one week of the whole staff not not texting the kid. It could be two weeks. It could be a month. It it depends on a lot of different factors, but they'll they'll take some action against Michigan very likely to where that'll inhibit the staff from recruiting in some way. But it, it totally depends. I mean, I've seen penalties that go way outside the bounds, and and so they're going to hit them some way that's going to hurt them recruiting wise, and to make could them be minor could be major, though. But yeah, yeah, most likely. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this will turn into to a major for them, but but it'll it'll be a secondary violation that something they'll have to to deal with. But they'll get bit on it. Um, you know, they'll feel some pain in recruiting a little bit. Uh, maybe they won't be able to you know talk to the 
the, the kids again until signing day or, you know, something like that. Who knows? That could be painful because if you have unlimited calls or something like that or unlimited texts or whatever it is with the recruit and suddenly you can't do anything until signing day with them or things like that can hurt. You end up losing a kid that way. Right. Maybe one of these kids finds out this happened. Mom gets mad and says, we're not signing with that school anymore. So I don't know, you know, um, but they'll get dinged, but it's just something he needs to be careful with. But I, the bigger thing is, right, educate your new coaches that have not coached in college athletics. And look at the media story that picks up. I mean, it, it, so it's an embarrassment, if nothing else, for Michigan. You know, Michigan really didn't do anything that significant. This, they'll move on from this, but it's really embarrassing. It's on national media. Right. Well, we spent a lot of time in the Big Ten today uh, talking about Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. We also have some big games this weekend, right, Aaron, for our alma yeah. maters? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, I think there's no secret. Uh, you know, Clay Helton's an embattled coach right now. He just is. I mean, Think about it. USC went five and seven last year, missed a bowl game. Hadn't done that since basically before Y2K. I, that just doesn't happen to USC. And, and it did. And so, okay, fine. You write it off as just some really big enigma. Well, they're five and four right now and t- facing a tough road test against Arizona State coming off a of bye week, actually. And it's a neck and neck game. Arizona State's actually favored in the game by a few points. So if USC loses it, they're five and five and they're in a dogfight to maybe miss a bowl game for two years in a row. It's unheard of. Because UCLA is looking better. Cal's looking better. Yeah. Cal's on the road. UCLA's at home. So even if, so, you know, look, USC could win the next three in a row. I wouldn't be that surprised. They could lose the next three in a row. I wouldn't be that surprised. Or go two and one, you know, something like that. But I think under any scenario, <laughs> they're probably not going to win the South. Because I don't think Utah's going to lose again. I think Utah's just playing too well. Let's have a massive gaffe or their quarterback goes down and something big happens. So you never know. USC's not completely out of the South running. They have to win out. Um, but they lose this weekend, and USC's done. I mean, if USC loses this weekend, I don't see how Clay returns, to be honest. And I like Clay. I've worked with Clay. He's a great guy. He really is. He tries to follow the NCAA rules. He's a family man. You know, he's a man of faith. Good guy. But bottom line is it's a production business, right. and it just is. He's paid millions of dollars to deliver wins at USC. USC is not Oregon State. No, it's not Arizona. Some of those schools where maybe a seven and five season is acceptable and it's fine. The fans are excited. It's what it is. USC's football is their bread and butter. It's a football school, blue blood football school. You have to go nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one. You're in the Rose Bowl. You're in the playoffs. You're in the discussion year in and year out. And you can have a blip on the radar here and there. You have two blips in a row. You're in big trouble. And so I think USC is going to find a way to win this weekend because their backs are just completely to the wall. I think they're going to play loose and find a way to win a tight game. Arizona State's tough, but they play well at Arizona State. That's the one road area they tend to play really well uh, for the most part. So I'm predicting that they do win a close one. You know, it might be – it's going to be an ugly game, I think, some distractions. But I could see them winning, you know, 35, you know, 28 sort of deal. Uh, I still don't know if that saves Clay's job or not, uh, but I think it buys him another week and, and people will keep evaluating him. That's kind of where I see it. All right. What do you think about BYU? Who's BYU got? Well, BYU's team? got the mighty Liberty Flames. Well, let me ask you something actually about BYU real quick. Yeah. I was uh, reading that their coach should be extended uh, based on, uh, there's a lot of traction. It's funny, you know, they, they started off really hot and it was, let's get this guy locked up big time. Loses a couple tough ones, let's, let's get rid of this guy. And, you know, he wins a couple, you know, what is, what does BYU want? Right. Because I feel like it's for me as, as an outsider looking at BYU, they, they win some fantastic games that they shouldn't win and they lose some games they shouldn't lose. And it's baffling, you know, where I think, welcome to being a BYU. Fan. Yeah. Where, where I don't know what to think. <laughs> he, he does things that are 
that that are amazing. And other things I think, how is that possible? Is he on the hot seat? Is he not on the hot seat? What do we what do we do with this guy? Honestly, I think I think Kilo, the coach's name is Kilonis Sitaki. I think he's the man for the job. Long term, I, uh, I think he's the long term man for the job. I think he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a Lavelle Edwards disciple. We love that. Uh, we want him. We want him to stay. I want him to stay personally as a fan. Yeah, I want him to have success. What's their record right now? Right now we're four and four. Let's say uh, so. So he's got what four games left? He's got four games left. Let's say he goes two and two in those games. He's six and six. He makes the bowl game. Would you feel the same? I think they give him a two-year extension, okay. not a super long extension. If he wins out and wins the bowl game, they give him a four or five-year extension. Okay. Okay. But we'll, but we'll just have to see. At the end of the day, BYU is not as blue blood of a school as USC. So expectations are different. But there is an expectation of winning. Yeah. And getting to a bowl game. And yeah. so if he's eight and four or nine and four after winning a bowl game. I think he'll be all right. So he's yeah. So that's the thing. So, he, so your expectations are maybe a touch different than USC's, but you still hold them to standards for sure. But it's just not. You don't have to go eleven and one, ten and two. But you're you're eight and four. We're playing you know. we're, we're, right now. We have like one of the top. I think it's like a top fifteen diff, most difficult schedule in the nation. Yeah, and yeah. We're one of three schools that have a, that hard of a school, have that hard of a uh, of a schedule, and we have a winning record. Yeah. So it's it's you know, but that's the way it is. Life is an independent. Yeah. So we're playing another independent in Liberty, the Liberty Flames. Of course, I knew you knew that. Oh, of course. The Liberty Flames. Sure. And we're 17-point favorites. I think we cover the spread. Mm-hmm. I think we win by more than 17 in a, a close game to start, uh, but we pull away and win big at the end. See, because for me with BYU, I feel like whenever they're playing a tough team, Boise State, USC, uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, a game where I think, I don't see them winning that, Wisconsin, you know, uh, they find a way to win it. But you put them in a game where I think, well, that's a that's a win. Those are the ones I'm worried about for, for BYU for whatever reason. We'll see what they do. I feel like if they could be consistent and beat the teams they're supposed to be, that could be in a 10-2 uh, team. Easy, easy. And so we'll see what happens. So he's a good coach. Got to work on the consistency maybe a little bit. Lock him in. He'll learn. And uh, I, I like – they're class act, by the way. We got to go to that BYU-USC uh, football game, the upset. And I don't know how much of an upset was actually. Now that's, but it was an upset in the sense I think that USC was like a seven point favorite. Yeah, so it's an upset, you know. But I mean, the fans were fantastic. They fed us ice cream, and and it was really a fun. We time. take good care of. We take good care of the fans. Yeah, because I've been to Oxen before, and uh, yeah, that was a different experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, heck, uh, this has been another great week. I'm really excited. Uh, again, this is our second podcast. Yeah, um, we are going to be doing this every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want audience audience participation, so yeah. feel free to email us, college sports attorneys at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're setting up an Instagram account. Yeah. We're gonna be on Spotify, on on iTunes, on everything, on every medium, hopefully, yeah. here pretty soon. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah, I think feel, within a couple of weeks here. Feel yeah. free to like, comment, and subscribe below. Yeah. We'd love it. We'd love we'd love audience participation. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And I think at some point down the road, we might even get a, a, some callers. Calling in, you know, we'll see how that goes. We're going to look into that and uh, maybe we can take some calls uh, or, or, you know, set up some interviews with people out in the membership and, and uh, try to educate you on late breaking college athletics and what's going down. What are the rules? What are the potentials and what can we do about it? And what should you be doing? about? That's right. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Yeah. All right. See you guys. Have fun.